keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, Robert Karpolis, and I am joined, as always, by Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you, man? Oh, what's up, brother? How are you feeling? Um, it's I'm loving life. It is Hanukkah right now, so it's the most festive eight days of the year for people Oh, yeah, who... it just started, right? It just started. We're recording this on Thursday. It starts tonight. So by the time you're listening to this, uh, we're in we're in full swing. And I'm sure it really impacts your life significantly, Scott. <laughs> well, I'll get to hear the Adam Sandler song on the radio. I mean, and that's, that's like 80 percent. That's 80 percent of the holiday, by the way. When it's I was just a kid, the Sandler it Hanukkah made, song. It made me jealous enough as a kid. He he did he did a damn good job. I was really proud. Um, my daughter, for the first, this is the first year ever she heard the Adam Sandler Thanksgiving song from Weekend Update, and she's is been teaching herself 22? the song. My is my doctor, my daughter. You said oh, you said daughter. I thought you said doctor. My daughter does not have a medical license yet. <laughs> Again, okay, okay. Jew, like Jewish parents, we would expect by now she should have at least. A doc, like a uh, an MD, but we're not there yet. No, my my daughter, who's not a doctor, uh, heard the Sam the Sandler Hanukkah song for the first time, the Sandler Thanksgiving song, and was teaching herself it. She's heard the Hanukkah song before. Like that's, it's kind of all we've got. Like you guys have about a million Christmas songs. I've got this. I've got Written Adam Sandler's. Guys, yeah. I've got Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song. Um. There's that one dreidel song from South Park. Dreidel, I made you out of clay. That's it. That's the song. But I, I mean, I whatever I South sing Park? it. I just I I sang that no, in grade school. No, no. Let me let me let me back this up here. The song is a real bark song. Bark. No, no, shepherd. no, Dan Junior. I don't hear your dog barking. Um, no, the dreidel, dreidel, dreidel is a real song. The south park version that they did where they pile on all the other stuff about courtney cox and whatever was them playing with that that dreidel song uh but no we got the dreidel song we got adam sandler's hanukkah song there's a band called the levies who did a really fun hanukkah album and that's like pretty much it it's kind of all due respect it's a bullshit holiday it is the aw rampage of holidays it just well, so Hanukkah, happens that or I'm sorry, of Jewish holidays, right? It is the rampage of Jewish holidays. Yeah, it's a rampage of Jewish. It's a rampage of holidays like across the board. It's sort of it's just a great marketing ploy. It was like the least important holiday, but because it was in December near Christmas, they're like, shit, we gotta we gotta be able to like keep our people. 
Uh, we got to keep the ratings up. So let's take this totally meaningless sort of holiday, very minor holiday, and attach it with, oh, no, no, you get a bunch of gifts. And if you give people presents, they're in on like anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was a uh, it was like a capitalism competition in December. But I think you a, guys still won. I think you've infiltrated the Christmas market. I think y'all are making the money off of it. I, I think we're doing okay across the board. <laughs> uh but this yeah, this, thanks for your weird conspiracy theories early <laughs> on in the podcast. Uh, you know, this is uh Scott's New Japan anti-Semite corner. I'm joking. I'm joking. Scott is an ally. Of um, this, this took such a fucking weird turn. This is what happens when we record in the morning. It is it's 11 a.m. I'm still amped up on coffee. Usually when we record, I'm like tired. I've put in a full day of work, and I'm just like, let's talk dynamite and be done. Your dog is super excited about what's going on here, and, and I'm I love it. Uh, we got a we got a lot to talk about today. By the way, I do want to apologize at the top. Uh, we were going to do a Patreon this past weekend talking all the Survivor Series stuff. My old laptop uh, died. So I'm now on a brand new laptop. Got a, a brand new microphone, which I hope sounds halfway decent. Uh, so now we're we're back up and running. We're we're, we're cooking with gas here. Uh, so apologies for that. Something to sports entertainment with already out. We'll make it up to you for the Patreon. Uh, Scott is currently murdering his dog. So... I'm just kind of feeling for a know? couple of seconds because, like, as soon as you went on mute, I'm like, "Up, oh, no, Scott's uh, Scott's pulling a Benoit and taking care of the dog." <laughs> uh, what's great is my dog heard it in the background, and then he just perked his ears up and he just went like, "Fuck it," and went back into the bed. That's that's my boy. Uh, yeah, so we've got a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk, uh, obviously, dynamite or dud. I want to talk a little bit about. The the raw main event. Want to talk Okada? Want to talk Flair? Want to talk home video stuff? Uh, but you know, first uh, we we got to we got to tackle last night's dynamite, Scott. I think that's a that's a fair place to, oh, to start. I'll be happy to tackle it. I'll be happy to tackle it. The coffee's kicking in. I'm I'm and, excited and, and, to and to talk. I, it. I've already got some text messages from you that I haven't even responded to. I don't know if you've noticed. In I terms have. of y'all's opinion on that. So this was, it was Mike that kicked this off. Yes. Uh, about the, the end of the man. And we'll get, we'll save that part for the end. That'll be like the, the, the dessert. Cause I want to get through the entire episode of, of dynamite here. AEW has had a very rough couple weeks, couple months. I think we can all agree on that. And one of the news stories that came out, we can talk about it before we can get to it, is this Ric Flair piece with, with Woo Energy. So Ric Flair, bless his heart, was on Rampage last week. And during a promo that was edited, he invited all the girls between the ages of 18 and 28 who didn't have a boyfriend to meet him in his hotel room. And they cut that from TV because it's 2023 and not 1991, and you can't get away with doing that shit on TV. First of all, what'd you think of that promo? Did that did that bother you, or are you just kind of like you know, grandpa's off his meds? Uh, yeah, yeah, I I get bothered by things like that for sure. 
Uh, do I feel like he should be attacked on the internet for it? Uh, hey, I guess if, if any, look, the internet is for attacking, right? And so, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, there's been moments, and I guess because especially with this Tony Khan thing that you're about to bring up, where somehow I do feel bad for Ric Flair. We'll get to that. I'm, that goes, I'm no, trying don't to do that. Don't do that. I'm setting it up. So the flair stuff. I, th- you know, I think that was he just... is of an age where where it's getting weird in his like it's getting very cloudy in his brain, and you you can't actually have him talk. I mean, it's been like almost eight years of this. I remember there was, um, you know, the times he was plugging the like WWE video games with with Jr. and the guys, and he got in trouble. And didn't Jr. get fired for that from WWE? So because Rick so was that talking to shit. So that one. I'll, I'll give Rick a, a, a pass on that because Jim Ross has talked about that. Yeah, they they were at a 2K panel. I think it was like WrestleMania or SummerSlam weekend, whatever it was. And I guess Rick was in a really dark place because Reed had passed away and he overdrank and he went on the stage and he was full on Ric Flair. And they blamed Jim Ross for not being the proper babysitter for Rick years ago. What we've started to see with Flair over the last several years is kind of the the iron chic thing. Like Rick is Rick used to be kind of in on the joke. Like he was a normal guy who's portraying Ric Flair and he knows he's got to put the show on when he's in front of a crowd, but generally speaking he's he's still there was still some degree of like humanity to it. Over the last couple of years, he's kind of replaced Iron Sheik as the old guy who's probably drunk and probably high on like a boat with a rapper and a bunch of random people thinking that he's part of the party when they're kind of laughing at him. Is that, is that kind of fair to say Scott? Yeah. I think he's become a prop that you can, you can rent for the night. And, and, and again, I know we're going to get to what Tony said, but he does feel like the first wrestler who might be purchased by like, like a, belt collector you know like conrad might (laughs) conrad might have a contract that says he he owns rick flair right now i know he owns some of rick's robes well he owns some of rick's robes and he's married to rick's daughter so it's very possible that like he has rick in a in a box like do you ever see the movie basketball where they have kareem abdul jabbar in like a big box i feel like that's where rick lives most of the time yeah. Which would make sense. But, you know, you have him go out there. He went on Rampage. He cut that promo, which is tough because that was the old Ric Flair character. But that's before we saw that dark side of the ring. Everybody kind of knew in advance, like, there's some bad stuff with Rick. But that dark side of the ring really highlighted, oh, this man may have done some really horrible things to to women, allegedly, over the years. Maybe don't go out on TV and try to invite 18-year-olds back to your hotel room on national television. Yeah, I also think there's be... a self-awareness even like, okay, HBK, Shawn Michaels. Uh, his eyes went crossed and all of a sudden no one's calling him the sexy boy and he doesn't act like it, you know? Like, you, Rick, you 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 look uh, older than the oldest person I interact with. Uh 
And that's kind of jarring on television sometimes when if you got a good television. So so act accordingly is all I'm saying. And I'm not saying, you know, you can be an arrogant old man, but you can't be, hey, I have sex with uh, young women, old man, because it comes off perverted. It's the same thing that happened to Hugh Hefner. You know, for, for decades, it was kind of like, well, oh, Hugh Hefner is wearing a robe. He's probably sleeping with the Playboy models. This is aspirational for men in a, to a certain degree or a certain sect of men, which was the Flair character. And then as Hugh Hefner got older, it was this creepy old man who's sleeping with 20-something-year-old girls that he's basically paying because they're yes, in his you magazine. that's what it was the whole time. It was yeah. transaction and it's getting like very stale and eerie. And criminal. <laughs> yes. So all that to be said that, you know, Flair is a really complicated character, but he's still Ric Flair in the eyes of professional wrestling. And he's on AEW TV. And that has a value to it because he is still a 16-time world champion. He's a Hall of Famer. He is on most people's Mount Rushmore of all-time pro wrestlers. So... To have him on your TV, in theory, is an honor. Let's let's pretend that that's, that's the way that it is, that it's the character Ric Flair, and oh my God, he's there. Tony basically came out and said, without anybody even asking him, by the way, he just volunteers this information because he's an idiot, uh, and says, Woo Energy is paying us to have Ric Flair on television. And they, they clarified it and they said, well, Flair has a, uh, a talent contract. But yes, basically, Ric Flair is the same thing as, and I made this analogy on rumor and innuendo, if WWE had Flo from Progressive as like the referee of a match because she was sponsoring it, that's what they're trying to portray Ric Flair as. And it's really disrespectful to Flair. And it's Tony trying to absolve himself of any liability. Yeah, it's Tony in a moment instead of because one, I don't think you're supposed to talk about the details of any contract with then anybody you work with um, in an interview. It's corny. And so I think the reason he did it is because he thought he made such a great deal. Oh, you're not going to believe this. I'm going to impress you so much with my great business deal, which is every time this guy comes on television, we get paid by another company. And, uh, he doesn't realize that that it's kind of gross to a lot of people and, and, and it rubs people the wrong way. And it makes you feel bad for Rick because he feels like property all of a sudden and not a hired former pro wrestler. Now talent, however the hell you're using him. He is uh yeah, he's just this ad. He is, he is what Michael, he is the reason that, um, that in WWE, the entrances are so long when Michael Cole is just talking about whatever uh, product is, is coming out now. He is that. He's like this uncomfortable. It already felt uncomfortable, and now it feels extra uncomfortable. It's even worse because he's part of one of the biggest storylines they have, which is the Sting retirement. So he's like a human version of a Stacker 2 can or something like that standing there next to Sting with this sting retirement story that nobody really wants flair a part of. And my concern when he first showed up in AEW was they're not going to know how to use Rick correctly. WWE figured it out. Keep him as a talking head 
for video packages, use them in pre-tapes, let them go out to the crowd to say woo, and that's it. Don't give them a live microphone. Don't let them go off. Don't make them have to do anything of importance. You just want them to go out there, wave, remind people that Ric Flair is still alive, and go home. Now, though, in in in, in Tony's defense, hasn't over like the past few years the the thing been oh yeah we this company or this place hired rick flair to do a thing and he talked forever when we just asked him to wave like is it them asking him hey can you just say this one specific thing and then he go i mean there's no way tony was like hey you know go off go wild or i i i would pray to god he didn't say that no you think he's you also know there's a <laughs> but there's a risk. There's a liability and a risk when you put Ric Flair on TV with a live microphone. Obviously, it was on a tape rampage, but still, even in his live debut, he gets lost. He looks confused, and it's it's sad. It's kind of – it's a lot like what people were critical of with Stan Lee towards the end of his life, that the people who were taking care of Stan were exploiting him and putting him in situations where he didn't entirely know what was going on. And that's not how I want to remember somebody that is so integral to to our childhood. And Flair being out there on AEW TV is in and of itself potentially embarrassing. It it someone said it lo- it loses the cool factor of AEW. People were tuning in because this was the hip alternative to WWE. It was the indie guys like the Bucks and Kenny and folks you saw in New Japan, and people you wanted to see on a big platform, and now it's the kind of shit you saw in TNA like 15 years ago and felt played out and sad, when it's, why am I seeing Ric Flair and Sting on my TV? Yeah, no, it's extra uncomfortable. And that was you know, I didn't notice it uh, until I watched Dynamite this week. You know, the logo is just his face. It is... It, the intro when they cut to the arena, like the Titan Trons are all Ric Flair's face. It is a, yeah. it is a really huge advertisement and piece of the show that looks pretty dumb. Because again, it it's just Ric's tacky. face and it says woo. Well, it, it looks tacky because it's constantly there. And then they have the energy drinks sitting on the announce table. Have you seen that? They're like uh, yeah, lined yeah. up on the ends of the announce table, like they're broadcasting from inside. Like you go to like Costco and they're giving out trying samples. But it's also weird because in WWE, you have Logan Paul, and it's not like they're saying Logan Paul is on WWE TV because Prime is paying us money. Sure. I, I don't know. It's, it's gross. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. And I think we just, we want. Well, it's just, again, everybody was making fun of Rick uh, last week saying he shouldn't be on TV. Get him off TV. How dare you put him on TV? How dare you hire him in the first place? And then Tony Khan comes out this week. And instead of, you know, lifting up a guy in your company who is getting uh, clobbered on the internet, which Tony is very familiar with, uh, he just buries the guy a little more and takes some pressure and responsibility off of himself. Well, he thinks that's what he's doing, which is like super he, immature. He deserves that's it. What we're realizing, he, he makes like lame ass, immature decisions. He did this shit last week with Brian Danielson, and we didn't talk about it on here. But 
all of a sudden last week, the report comes out that Danielson's on the disciplinary committee that fired Punk. So Tony can pass the heat the week that Punk's on WWE TV to be like, it wasn't my fault, guys. Brian Danielson made us get rid of him. Blame Brian. And Brian even had to do an interview where he said, yes, I was on the disciplinary committee. Like, that's shitty. Don't put him in that position. Own your own your choice and be done with it. Tony, Tony's pissing me off. Well, I do, I do agree that I think I think the uh, the Danielson leak or whatever that was, whoever's decision it was to because you know, all the dirt sheets were like, Oh yeah, we've known that for months and now we're dropping it. So what are these weird dirt sheet agreements where we're gonna drop the news the week WWE gets punk? That is weird and interesting. Uh, it, but it also is, I saw earlier this week people talking about how Danielson is the one that hands out the fines for guys who like curse and shit and uh or you know, I, I don't know, go into business for themselves on TV or whatever the hell. So that's interesting. I wonder what that even entails. It's Brian is it trying to legit just a, again like a scapegoat. That oh, that should be his new t-shirt scapegoat i love it the scape greatest of all time he is trying to be the undertaker the locker room leader the the bastion of integrity the guy that keeps everybody else in line which is ridiculous because you still have a guy like jericho who's in the locker room who should have been maintaining law and order you also i don't know if you're aware of this scott um there are executive vice presidents in all elite wrestling who happen to be members of the roster. <laughs> Wouldn't you think maybe they would step up once at a blue moon and actually do something? Are the Bucks still EVPs? I, I wasn't Bucks sure. Bucks and that. Kenny are still EVPs. Yes, they're, it's My still God. on the website. It got taken down, then put back up. But like, if you're there and you're a player coach, you're an executive vice president, you should be the guys handing out fines and, and keeping order in some regard. Not Brian. Brian is one of the best wrestlers you have on your roster. He's one of the top draws that you have. Yes, he's respected, but that's not his job. And if that is his job, I sure as hell hope he's getting paid like triple for doing it. Yeah, I would hope he gets paid. And I hope he gets a badge too. And like like a meter made like ticket. They give him a sash. I hope he's just in the back handing out tickets. I'm all for it. I I I, I think that would be a great new character for for Brian. Give him like remember like when uh Fandango and, and Tyler Breeze were like the fashion police, they wore the police hats. Get one of those oh. for Danielson. Yeah, that was fun. I, I, look, just put something on his head to protect him. That maybe that would be good. Cause uh that well, that came out as well. We're not. Yeah, we're, we're not doing. To, you know how people get mad yeah. at us when there's like spoilers, but it's not a spoiler. Fuck it. So no, I, I, I talked about it on on rumor and innuendo already. So it's already out there and whatever. It's not a. We're not going to say what happened on Collision. We'll leave that to the tens of millions of people who are going to tune in for that show. But I guess in the main event with Danielson and Andrade, like when they went off the air, Brian was bleeding from his, near his eye. And people weren't sure if it was real, if it was a storyline. We know that he has a broken orbital bone. He's wearing an eye patch. He, this is all legitimate. He legitimately broke his orbital bone, legitimately wearing an eye patch. 
And fans in the arena did not know, is this a storyline or is Brian really hurt? Because we've seen Brian really hurt several times. So if this was legitimate, you risk Brian Danielson's, you know, getting him injured on a taped show on a Tuesday night in, in Canada in front of like 1500 people. If this <laughs> is a storyline, it's just stupid because you can do injury storylines. I'm not saying you can't do injury storylines. And you can do injury storylines with guys who had legitimate injuries. Don't do it with Brian. We've had so many well, fucking scares with him. It just it doesn't feel fun. It's just a reminder of this guy is like one hard sneeze away from exploding. Sure, but also it's a tournament and he is known to be falling apart. He has an eye patch. And so you would assume at some point his eye is going to start falling out in the tournament. Right. And that would be storyline. I think it's more I'm going to try maybe the word is indicative of of um of how everybody feels about AEW right now where where we're kind of just like oh no everything is falling apart like when are they going to come and take it all away from us and so when when they run a, when they run a you know when they run a gimmick of a guy getting hurt instead of getting to enjoy it cuz it's pro wrestling you're going to have people shitting their pants because uh, we have had a lot of injuries and uncomfortable moments and fails in the last six or year and a half months. <laughs> so part of it is, I mean, look, Meltzer of all people, who's so fucking far in the bag for AEW, it's not even funny. He even said there's a report that there's some negativity backstage in AEW. Collision from last Saturday had almost nobody there the collision taping have you seen the footage of that kenny omega match from the collision taping yeah so they filmed collision i forget somewhere in canada on the bell Tuesday center night. in montreal yeah they same don't, place they did dynamite on wednesday yes yes they don't get collision in um canada but also at the same time you go hey kenny's gonna be there and danielson is fighting it, it was a uh a, a decent lineup and they got a shitty ass. What was it like? Fifteen hundred people. Like fifteen hundred people in an, in the same arena that the Canadians play in. And what's baffling is I don't care if they get collision, don't get collision. That doesn't mean anything. It's the poster that has Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson, and Kenny is a Canadian national hero. Brian Danielson is a you know obviously a once in a generation talent to get to go see live. Andrade was advertised as being on that show to draw that kind of a number for a TV taping with, with those guys on it is really inexcusable. And there's a shot as a video footage, like 15 seconds of Kenny wrestling Ethan page. And it looks like there's 11 people in the audience. Oh yeah. I, I, I saw that shot. Um, yeah. I think part of that is they got it planned differently too. You know, I heard part of the reason they even filmed it on Tuesday was because it was like, oh, we don't want to wait uh, a week up there with our guys in Canada till Saturday, you know. Uh, but maybe just film it back to back on Wednesday and don't film Rampage, you know, or I don't know, fig figure it out in a better way. Like that was the easy fix, it, by it, the way. It, you do a back to back tape now. This has been Jarrett's job since he's been around, right? Is figuring out. No, this is no? this is Raphael Morphy. Okay. Raphael Morphy, who 
I love Raphael. He did this at WWE. He did this in TNA. He did this with us at MLW. Uh, he gets gener- like real repetitive where I go like, even in my area, I go, I don't know. It's too consistent. That's why I'm not coming here. Uh, there's like a few fails, especially with, you know, AEW crowds will drive an hour and a half somewhere to another show. And so, you know, you should hit more of the major cities and not these random ass towns that I've never heard of that WWE isn't even hitting. Okay. But this is Montreal. That's Montreal, true. Yeah, that, that's that sold out Elimination Chamber and the, I think there was a SmackDown or Raw. Like they were, they're a berserk, rabid fan base that absolutely loves wrestling. And you have Kenny Omega, who only goes to Canada so often. That alone should have been the draw. I think your suggestion of taping these back to back same night made a hell of a lot of sense. I think there's enough of a time zone difference, by the way, that you could have done both shows. In fact, I I hate to suggest it because their technical problems are a little much. You could have done live to tape Dynamite and then tape Collision right after. And by that, I mean you could have filmed Dynamite before it aired on live TV. So film it at like like 6 p.m. or whatever. That way it's airing on TV, but not live. WWE used to do that. We would stagger something an hour back when they were doing back-to-back tapings because you don't want to make people stay there till 1 a.m. But we also know AEW tends to make people stay at tapings till like 1 a.m. anyway. So who gives a shit? Use the building for that well, one you know, night. I, yeah, when I was in middle Scotty? school, they started the uh, the super shows, you know, the SmackDown Raw super shows where you could go and sure. watch both tapings. Uh that shit, that was my favorite shit in the world. It blew my mind. I didn't care how long I was there. The fact that I got to see both companies when there was a um, a brand split was was huge to me. Yes, it has an added value to the ticket. And you probably would have sold a hell of a lot more seats for that one night instead of whatever they did for the two nights. Because, by the way, renting the Bell Center, that ain't cheap. So, who Did the they hell sell knows? out last night? No. No, they didn't. They didn't sell out last night. But it's and it also it just sucks because we're going to talk about dynamite. I don't know about you. I loved 75 percent of this show. Oh, I love more more than that. We'll get into it. Well, let's let's get into it now. We've been teasing. We're talking about dynamite. We spent the last like. 30 minutes like you Don't stole my gimmick nothing. of shitting on AEW. no we talked about AEW. we talked about the st- i had it all written down elsewhere we got to it here um dynamite so this tournament i i hate the tournament i still hate the tournament it involves a lot of math it involves that stupid graphic that to me looks like something on the sats and i don't remember you guys to see those like graphs that you have to like plug stuff in like logic graphs when you take like standardized testing hate this uh, no, it, I, don't, I blocked all that shit out. Even while I well, was taking it, I don't remember. To. It's fresher in my mind because when you take the LSAT to, to try to get into law school, you have to do the same type of logic games. And that's what this reminds me of, where it's like Bill can sit next to Steve and Bill cannot sit next to someone wearing a blue hat. So how many people at the table are wearing yellow shoes? That is easier to solve than the graphics for the gold and blue brand uh tournament shit it this should have just been a single round elimination tournament get a bunch of fun matches we get a winner everybody's no happy way. this is working out swimmingly 
they opened with a match that uh, had had fire to it. Rouge has made this feel like a tournament. There, there's a, I, I think this has not been nothing but positive. Specifically this week, where uh, this week every was the match first felt was, like an action. I was going to defend it because this week was the first week where shit felt like, all right, maybe we're maybe we're doing okay here. But there's been a lot of ice cold matches going up. But it opened with Moxley versus Roosh, and what I loved in watching this match was I would love to see a a Moxley Roosh program coming out of it. Like these guys just matched up really well. They look good physically with one another. It was a really hard-hitting match. It would have been better if there was a storyline underneath it besides these guys want to get points. Uh, sure. Yeah. I loved how Roosh lost. He got choked out. He woke up yeah. confused. That That's really good, fun stuff. Um. He, he didn't look like a fool. And again, I think Rouge, because the audience doesn't care about him too much. And I think this tournament is getting us used to him. He's, he's getting me used to him where I go, damn, this guy's uh, really great. Yeah. he's Well, the key is putting him on TV. They just don't use guys for like months at a time. Now, so, now who's his brother? Is he brother? He's brothers with someone? Dragon Lee. Ah, Dragon. Dragon Lee is uh is is better than him, sure. But yes. I think Dragon Lee might be like the best luchador, um, possibly. Well, Dragon Lee's awesome. Um, I'm excited about. I don't know if you saw Wesley is hurt, which sucks. So he was supposed to be part of the the North American title match against Dom at the pay per view this weekend, and they replaced him with Dragon Lee with Ray in his corner, which is a, a great replacement. I mean, it sucks about Wesley. I think Wesley's really talented, but it's cool that Dragon Lee's going to get that that slot against Dom. I feel like that's going to be a hell of a match. Um, the reason why I said I liked 75% of Dynamite, in part, is this next segment. The Kingdom come out, and Roderick Strong, with a live microphone, may be more dangerous than Ric Flair. This mean? dude, this dude lost his place about three times during this two minute promo and him screaming Adam has kind of gotten over, but now his crutches, he just screams everyone's name. So he screams, you know, Samoa, yeah, Samoa. he screams Renee. It's killing this. It's killing that joke dead. Like the crowd was even chant, like screaming Adam when he came out, which was a nice moment. But then he's doing this shtick, and then he beats up the wheelchair, and I just don't give a fuck about these guys. <laughs> I think this could have happened backstage, but other than that, I was happy with it. it. It progressed the idea of now he's no longer in a wheelchair, so maybe he's going to be in this tag match coming up. I guess. Um, Hangman Adam Page arrives at the building, and... He talks about how he's now coming after Swerve. And he's like, look, I lost to you. You cut a promo on my baby. So I'm going to do whatever I need to to take away the one thing that you want, which, by the way, is literally the exact same thing Wardlow's been saying for the last two months about MJF. So nobody's paying attention to the show. Uh, Max, Well, no, 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 no. Now, though, now, though, but MJF. MJF has the world title, so I don't know what Wardlow's talking about. Um, Wardlow's just been talking, but 
So the idea is when Swerve is closest to getting either either the heavyweight title, which is what we think, or this continental title, maybe. Um, All right. Look, Hangman's a stupid Hangman character. is going to be there to stop him. Scott, That's Scott. Fun. Hangman's a, no, Hangman's a stupid character. But if he thinks Swerve gives a shit about this tournament, he's even dumber than we thought. <laughs> well, then down the line, about this. down yes. the line, right? This is what's going to happen when we all want Swerve to 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 fight for the title. Hangman's going to be the one, like no. And in yes. a sense, yes, he is going to be that character, like Wardlow, or even a Drew McIntyre currently, right? Where it's like, no, everybody wants him to be fighting for the title, and he's like, oh, but. Don't you get it? He's a piece of shit. Yeah. That'd be um, good shit. Max pops his head out to kind of be the fun piece of shit, Max, where he talks about like, hey, it was cool to see you and Swerve give each other STDs by bleeding in each other's mouths. But he made the mistake of pointing out that he has to cut long promos because Hangman bores the fuck out of the crowd. And I don't like that just because it's kind of true. Like you need Max on these shows because a lot of the stuff they put out there kind of falls flat. They go back and forth on their history. It looks like they're about to fight. Hangman then points out what everybody thinks at this point, which is that Max is the devil. So, you know, don't do that. Uh, and then Joe breaks up the fight before anything happens. No, 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 and no, no. MJF accused Hangman of being the devil he, first. No, Hangman so accused him. And yes. Said, of and course, then, it's you who yeah, is the devil. I get it's it. it was... Here's what I liked about this. They uh they genuinely topped each other each time they went back and forth. It wasn't like Agreed. one of those uncomfortable, oh, clearly this guy is superior uh in this situation. Uh I thought they both looked awesome coming out of this. And then Joe comes in which is the shit. I love this yeah. segment. This was maybe segment my favorite was good. segment of the show. This was my favorite segment of the show, but here, here's a here's a question for you. Why was Hangman there? Well, he's just there, you know. He's, he works there. He's got to maybe take photos for the holiday. Uh, maybe there's a calendar coming out next year, you know? Like, it's weird that this was the first Hangman appearance since the paper. Oh, no, and of course, they want you to think he is no, the I devil. I know, they're two in the cheese. But other... But other than that, like let's uh, let's assume that Hangman is not the devil because I don't think Hangman's the devil. Why the no, fuck was no. he at the building? He didn't have a match. He didn't have an in-ring promo. He didn't serve a purpose of being there. And he's showing up with his suitcase and then just vanishes the rest of the night. It was a weird thing. Like, have him do a match. Have him do something elsewhere on the show to justify his existence of being at the building other than just arriving. Oh, uh, but the segment this, itself this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, what was also damn good, Mark Briscoe versus Swerve. So the positive is this match was fantastic. Swerve is operating on a totally different level. Mark Briscoe, the more time you get to see him as a singles wrestler, the more fun that he is. He's like a fun, in-shape Eddie Kingston at, at this point. Um, I loved Shivani accidentally calling them calling this company WCW while trying to explain the tournament because even he knows this thing is fucking convoluted and weird. No, the story of the, the, the story of the match <laughs> was if if Mark Briscoe loses, he is mathematically eliminated from the tournament that he still has to compete in. That's and, correct. 
Swerve beats him, which I get is a good way to get Swerve some heel heat back because he's been getting a lot of babyface cheers the last few weeks. But the thing that makes just no fucking sense to me is Mark Briscoe is a guy that the audience is emotionally connected to. You have the great story about him trying to win this for his brother, and he's the first guy that goes out. Why would you not make him the emotional center of this tournament? Well, at the very least, give him like I thought this match as I was watching it, I thought this match could have went to a draw where yeah. each guy gets one point and Swerve is furious because he doesn't get his until I realized what the match is next week. And I think that should probably be the draw. Yes. Um, so now in the G1, which goes a little longer than this, what will happen when a guy is out but is still competing is you'll either see them try to screw guys who still have a chance because again if they beat the guy the guy isn't getting points which right. is good you, you so you get moments of retrib retribution like that but you are right mark i think deserved a moment of oh he could still be in this and there was like none of that because then also the defeat of him is even more gut-wrenching because oh we had that one win that we thought maybe he could come back in this and and now we don't have any of that so yeah, that it, it is it is a head scratcher. Other than like that should have been the promo. match next week makes total sense and 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 I think it's probably gonna be a draw. The match next week makes sense, but to your point, Mark should have cut a promo before this. They're like, hey, you're facing elimination here. And he reaffirms, I want to win this for my family, I want to win this for my brother, I want to win this for my legacy, and then have Swerve beat him in a way that's like underhanded, like he hits a low blow or grabs the tights or something like that. So Mark gets cheated. You're angry at Swerve. Swerve still gets his three points. Well, and you know, but, you know, that's that's the other thing about Mark in this tournament and and fighting someone like Swerve. Mark does have a story, and we've all said it, where we do kind of see we, we do kind of want to see him fight for the title at some point in some way, and we know. Oh, logically, it could probably never get there because of all, all the booking and all the guys that should probably go ahead of him. But if he pins Swerve and then Swerve eventually wins the title this year, you can have a random one-off with Mark Briscoe and Swerve that makes sense that we're invested in because, wow, Mark Briscoe beat Swerve, you know, uh, back yeah. in December. But no, you, could, you could get yeah, there. It's a it's a uh, but the match was, the match was awesome. Uh, and just highlights... Oh, how many? How much great talent AEW has? Roosh, Moxley, when he was motivated in this match with Roosh, Swerve, Mark Briscoe. These are guys I want to see them building on and using. Uh, Mariah May has a promo in the back where she says her debut is going to happen uh, coming up after being alone in a room with Tony Khan last week, which, you know, honestly, not the best look. Not because I think he did anything inappropriate with her, but because I don't think that it would have gone well if he did. Like he would have bungled it. Like you, you want to come over and play switch. Uh, we get the Samoa Joe versus MJ, MJF versus the devil's match. Joe comes out, lights go out. The, the devil's henchmen surround the ring. The lights go out again. They come back on. Max has been laid out with a beer bottle broken over his head. It, it's it's like now we're so over the top obvious that it's Max that's going to be the devil that I'm guessing we're trying to set up a swerve for the swerve. But this was goofy, right? Yeah, you know, last week I really wanted this match and looking forward, 
even like yesterday, I was like, oh yeah, I want the match because I want to get the ball rolling. I want to reveal. You kept thinking oh, there was wow. going to be unmasking. There was going to be no unmasking. Yeah, I was like, I was like, just an unmask, an unmasking of a guy because I do think, you know, if you do this right, it it should be you know one guy who doesn't quite make sense with the other people. So if you unmask him, you go, wait, so who is he with? Uh, but they didn't do that, and it makes sense why they didn't do that. It makes sense why this was a storyline moment and not a match. Because you're right, it would have blew it immediately. Because uh, it kind of almost already did. There was a fan video of one of the guys moving around the ring uh, to attack Joe, and he had that like slithery Kyle O'Reilly movement, you know, where he's he does that low to the ground um, MMA fighter thing. Oh. Uh. So, and. Kyle O'Reilly's been backstage the last few weeks. That just came out this week. So it seems like he's one of the guys. It seems like it's going to be O'Reilly, Cole, Britt. I would love Britt involved in it. And Some it would be very Brit's funny if Roderick was actually actually left out. So it, it, it was, it was <laughs> Taven and Bennett, but... Roddy is legit left out, just screaming, Adam! <laughs> like, while all of his friends are part of this devil group. That would make me so happy. And then to have to have um <laughs> to have him have to help MJF, that's a good time. Roderick Strong to to team up with MJF. And you know, you need a few other guys, but that's good stuff. That'd be fun. Uh Moxley and Swerve have a little face-off in the back to talk about how they're facing each other next week. They're both undefeated in the tournament. This was this was a nice little tease, and I'm excited for that match next week. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming ben, it's yeah. going to go to a draw. Probably. But yeah, then they'll be both tied at 10, and we can go from there. Uh, ben Mankiewicz was on screen to announce Tony Storm, and I loved this idea. This was the best corporate synergy. Do you know who Ben Mankiewicz is, by the way, Scott? I do, I do. I watched Turner Classic. Uh, my mother's watched it my whole life, yeah. Awesome. Um, the problem with the Ben Mankiewicz thing was there was something up with the audio, whether it was the way that they recorded it or the way that they played the pre-tape, where he was kind of muffled, which made it more difficult to hear him. Like, we fixed Scott's audio issue. You can fix Ben Mankiewicz's audio issue. So you got Tony Storm versus Sky Blue. Maybe I'm crazy. I enjoyed this match. I love how Tony Storm is now wrestling like she's wrestling Betty Grable and using a lot of the old-timey holds. I like the idea that when she goes into the corner and puts her hands at her face, the screen's supposed to go black and white before she does her hip attack move, but they mistimed it, so that kind of sucked. I don't love that Riho's back because Riho looks like she's 11 and it's just weird. But as far as a Tony storm sky blue match, this exceeded my expectations. Yeah. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. And with Riho, I just know she's over. That's all I know. We've been watching AEW since the beginning. We're familiar with her enough. Uh, I don't remember like a classic Riho match, but I know she's over. And there's not a lot of women that are over. There's a lot more than there were when she was first, you know, the last time we saw her. So I'm just happy to see Tony fight Riho in a match that's probably going to happen in what? Two, oh no, at World's End maybe? 
I, I guess it'd be World's End. I don't know. Um, I just, you know, with Tony, it's like I want like a, I want a fun match. And I guess Rio can do that. I, I, I guess. I don't know. It, it doesn't. It feels super random. Riho, I don't know. It, 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 I, it breaks my brain. Uh, Jay Lethal versus well, Jay White. You know, also, the Mercedes thing is like, well, we'll get to that. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Jay Lethal, Jay White was a, a very technically solid match. The crowd enjoyed chanting, uh, let's go, Jay, because they thought they were funny. Um, the Some of the finishes in the tournament, I think part of the problem with the tournament is a lot of the finishes here, it's like a Survivor Series match where guys get pinned off stuff they wouldn't normally get pinned off of because you need to make you need to keep everybody looking fresh. So Jay White, who was just the number one contender for the world title, has to beat Jay Lethal with like a, a fluke pin out of nowhere. Didn't love that. Like you yeah. can beat Jay, you can beat Jay Lethal with your finishing move. Well, and you know, I I like Jay Lethal a lot, but I think Jay Lethal is the main guy I would take out of the tournament. And yeah. obviously the thing with this tournament is if there's one guy that you'd really rather not have in it, you are going to see him wrestle in a match every week until the tournament is done. And so that's happened every week. And yeah, I just go, oh, okay. I like Jay White in the tournament or sorry, Jay Lethal in the tournament just because it means Jeff Jarrett is not in the tournament. And I feel like that would have been the other option. The main event, Adam Copeland versus Christian cage for the TNT title. This ladies and gentlemen was what, uh, the esteemed Mr. Mike Lawrence, who unfortunately he's on the road, by the way, uh, check my account. If he's coming to a town near you for the rest of this year, he's touring with Pete Davidson, uh, had, had texted the following. I watched the end of dynamite, some real TNA level stuff. The match was a pretty good reminder of why edge and Christian matches when they fought each other never really worked. They're okay, but you realize I really would rather see them as a team. It's fun watching them as a tag team. When they wrestle each other, it's never as good, and this was definitely never as good. The finish saw Nick Wayne's mom come out, and we booked this months ago, Scott. We were ahead of the curve. She turns on Edge, or sorry, turns on Adam Copeland, lays him out with the title, and Christian wins. So Christian's going to be nailing Nick Wayne's mom. No, 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 no. That is not implied. Matter of fact, when Christian is celebrating, she's nowhere to be found. She's in the back getting ready for him. <laughs> when you're of a certain age, you need a what little time about, to warm okay, the so look, up. Let's talk about the match first, right? I thought this match was uh, fantastic. Obviously, I think we both agreed. Why is this happening so quickly? This seems like an attempt at a rating. Do I think it was an attempt at a rating? Um, Not necessarily because of how this ended, which, after, you know, a few weeks ago, if we remembered, and I think we kind of didn't remember up until she came out, uh, Edge did go too far and was like, 
blind to the fact that Nick's, Nick Wayne's mom was right there and, and he concertoed her son. And so in storyline, she has every right to do this, right? Obviously in execution, uh, very good. Especially because there's this moment of her teasing like she might get Christian. Even the, even the commentators have to dumb themselves down and be like, oh, Christian has taken her son away from her. And so she must be very upset with him, even though she's doing such a bad job implying that she might hit Christian, that it's just so obvious she's going to hit Edge right away. And so, yeah, in those moments, I thought that was a fail. But I'm going to get somewhere. So I want to hear you talk about this. The story, we thought before that she was going to align with Christian a long time ago, before Nick Ween had joined up with Christian. And the idea was going to be that Christian's hooking up with, with uh, his mom, and he's going to be like, I'm your new stepdad, with Nick Ween being upset about this back when Nick was a babyface. And that was going to be a really fun dynamic. We're now getting... Like the wor- like the darkest timeline. Nick Wayne has already turned heel, <laughs> and we had to endure weeks of the mom being angry and upset about this. And I can't believe I've lost my son. And he's aligning with this man who said horrible things about my dead husband. And now she just turns on him, and it feels like Claire Lynch. Like this just feels so dumb. And the reason why this feels so dumb is I have no faith in Tony Khan to pull off this storyline properly. This feels like bad WWE bullshit you would have seen in like 2010. And I don't know who this helps. I don't know who is now excited to see this programming, but on a show where you had a lot of great matches with a lot of young or, and their prime talent, and you end with this angle, this just left a really bad taste in my mouth. See, so I, I, I've seen a lot of that, a lot of this. Um, I agreed with I mean, you. Correct, correct when opinions. I, when I read your text, I agreed with you because I didn't watch it yet. And then I watched it and she did this thing uh, after she hit edge. And, and I don't think enough people realized it. And then I started deep diving into her after she did this thing. And I realized. Kristen's deep diving into her right now. <laughs> I realized uh, Mama Wayne which she she calls herself uh, on Instagram, but uh, her name is Shayna Wayne. Uh, she is a problem. Here's what I mean. After she hit edge with, with the championship belt, this isn't me saying this. This is what she did. She like popped out one of her buttons possibly, and her cleavage stuck out more than I've ever seen it. And we can go back and study the tapes. Now I haven't. I'm not saying I have. But I'm saying we could. And I almost guarantee you she has not shown cleavage once while she has been on AEW television. Now, I go on her Instagram. Again, Uh I am telling you, this woman is a problem. We got Chris Jericho liking her posts. She is... She is top porn search worthy. Uh, And what I mean by that is, no, she's not the youngest, sprightest, most beautiful gal in the world. But she is the most popular uh, um, porn search in the country currently. Now, now, with Nick Wayne, we have, I don't know if you've heard this, but we have um, 
why am I blanking on him? I got I got so uh, excited. Oh, Jordan Oliver, who Jordan I don't know if Oliver, you've seen yeah. Jordan Oliver wrestle. Yeah, he is so damn good, man. He is th- that show that I saw uh, Mike Bailey wrestle at in Jersey City last year. Jordan Oliver was the other guy that I was like, Tony, sign him, sign him, sign him. Apparently, Tony Khan has um, he bought the copyright, whatever the hell that is, to uh, East West Express, which is Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver's group. So imagine he comes in, you got this young Nick Wayne, this young Jordan Oliver, and the manager hot mom of Nick Wayne. This is perfect. This is the future uh, of yes, pro wrestling. This is the this is the future of pro wrestling, uh, which will be a world in which AEW no longer exists. This is so <laughs> fucking goofy and weird. And I don't know. I just I don't know who watched this and was like, "Man, this is this is exactly what I want out of my pro wrestling." I'm all for goofy, shitty storytelling. This to me adds little to nothing. It feels too little, too late for for Nick Wayne's mom. Like you had your chance for her to have aligned with Christian and it be impactful. Now it's just kind of I don't know, superfluous, and. I just I don't I don't care. I'm not super excited about the devil storyline at the moment because I don't know when we're ever going to get a payoff, and I don't think that payoff is going to work. MJF legit hurt. Yeah, MJF legit hurt. Maybe QT Marshall was onto something when he said, "Like this company is shifting in a way that I'm not in favor of." Maybe they should just go all in on the New Japan stuff. Like, let's just abandon storylines and just do tournaments and have great matches and let that play to like 800,000 people a week and stop trying to be WWE. Fuck it. Let's just do that. Like, storylines have been good. What storyline has been good? Any idea of storylines. Matter of fact, what storyline has been good? Drive wrestling to the point of like um, mental, uh, you know what word. They've ab- absolutely made wrestling fans uh, buffoons in a sense, for the most part. Not Triple H in, of recently. Um, this idea that WWE owns storylines when they have failed at storylines for almost 30 years uh, outside of a few bangers. Um, when, when, you know, we can look back and say that NWA has done a better job of storylines. I think, in truth, what, what we actually realize is. Uh, individual pro wrestlers are good at telling storylines. And um, when they are aligned with good writers, it works out. And when they're not, we get the end of Dynamite. Uh, but that's Dynamite. <laughs> well, that's, that's well, hey, Dynamite. Yeah, look, I, I didn't think it was ideal, but I do think we do get a future Edge and Christian match, which we knew we were getting. Uh, we knew there was going to be shenanigans. We just didn't know what kind of shenanigans it was going to be. Look, it could have been Jungle Boy. Uh, so, amen, it wasn't that. Yeah, I guess there's I guess there's that. But honestly, all I want is Edge and Christian, let them reunite, get a, do a one-off like TLC match with the Bucks and FTR so that the Bucks and FTR can check that off their bucket list and then let these guys go right off into the sunset together. But what do I know? Um, this went way longer than I anticipated talking about Dynamite. So some of the stuff that I was going to touch on, I- I'm going to use it for a high spot, low spot, if that's okay with you, Scott. Yeah, let's do it. I love it. Yeah. So uh, my, my, my low spot 
is WWE has announced that they are no longer going to be releasing uh, home videos. So you won't be able to go to like a Best Buy and buy the the DVDs. I know they're no longer Best Buy is no longer selling DVDs. We use it as an example. I know Robert, Robert's like and, you can't go to your local Blockbuster. <laughs> well, but I think it's just a sad thing because like that was how a lot of my fandom was established was being able to go to Blockbuster and rent the old pay per views and watch them because my parents were not spending 30, 40, 50 bucks for me to be able to order SummerSlam. You watched it on VHS or you rented the tape and you had like a sleepover and your buddies came over and watched wrestling. Like that was the fun of it. And it kind of just sucks that that's going away. I think this is just weird old man nostalgia, but that's how I feel. And it is very much a, uh, a, a low spot for me. I mean, you yeah, probably watched your like fair share taping. of tapes. Well, this was like trade taping for uh, for kids in grade school. You know, we weren't trading uh, tapes from Japan. We were just going, oh, you have you have SummerSlam 95? Cool. C- can I borrow that this weekend? Uh, and, and you, it's legit how I learned wrestling history. There wasn't YouTube when I was in grade school. And I think even middle school, I don't, I don't think there was YouTube. Uh, so it's all I had was the VHSs and then the DVDs. I mean, I was a mostly DVD person. Uh, the rise and fall of ECW is, is, was one of my favorite things just to watch period. Like sure. as a kid, even in high school, I was like, that's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. But uh, the Chris Benoit <laughs> one was phenomenal. The Eddie Guerrero one and those DVDs specifically like, helped those guys in storyline on television because their storylines were, Hey, these are kind of the last guys who went through all the, uh, all the different places and traveled the world. And the DVDs gave you access to those matches because WWE wasn't airing them. But if you bought the DVDs at like a Suncoast or uh, I don't know if people had coconuts, uh, yeah. You got to see, yeah, the the property that they paid for, you know? When, when I was at WWE, there were certain departments where when you started with the company, they gave you a copy of the Monday Night War to watch just so you would understand the history of the company. So I, I have that, yeah. I have that too. It was an awesome DVD. Uh, but it just sucks that that's gone. My, my high spot, I got three because these were stories we were touching. I was going to needle drop on them. Uh, first on raw, the way they're building the drew heel turn has been a hell of a lot of fun. That Jey Uso Seth Rollins match was to steal Scott's term. Dope. Um, I love the rumors that Okada may be coming to WWE. I'm all about that happening. I think that'd be great for him to get paid and be fun to see him against, you know, Nakamura and Roman and whatever. Uh, and, and my, my third high spot, I don't remember if it was you or Mike who sent it. The audio of Meltzer and Alvarez talking about <laughs> overruns and how to set your overrun on YouTube TV. And Dave trying to defend AEW was like, like you at your worst in like early 2021 was nothing yeah, he was compared glitching, to he Meltzer's like homers and like, He's trying to say like, well, no, the reason that these sometimes go long is because, well, it's it's, it's a match. You, you don't know when it's going to end. And they're like, it's a scripted television show. And he just won't even cop to that. 
He's so yeah, he he's trying so hard to defend Aiden. So you never know if a baseball game is going to go long. Or... And then he says, "Well, if you're worried, just tape the thing on after Dynamite." And Brian's like, "Which you, don't you have can't to do." do. That. He, he didn't understand that you can't do that on YouTube TV. It's a different type of uh, uh, technology. It's not television. Yeah. I, either way, his point was: if you know you're going to do an overrun in advance, you notify the, the 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 cable companies or whoever it is and there's ways for them to calibrate when the dvr actually and when a program is listed as ending and the problem with some of the overruns is not because these were designed it's because shit went long the show was not timed properly and they missed the end of main event matches and i think with qt marshall being gone as the guy who was timing a lot of this i think this may happen more and more uh, th- this week's show ended after ten, like the 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 turn and all that happened. I think at like ten o two, so it was absolutely hilarious. And there's a cornet version where cornet's listening to this, and I don't. I'm not always like the biggest cornet guy. This is just hilarious. Him reacting to Meltzer's illogical nature is fantastic. Scotty, what are your high spots, low spots? <laughs> Okay, uh, I will. This Okada talk, you 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 just you just uh, glazed over. We could get into yes. it a little more. I, I will call <laughs> it a high spot, sure, uh, because obviously I think Okada does need to go somewhere. So let's start with that, right? Okada's contract is up in January of twenty twenty four. Um, I think most guys are. They sign like year and a half two-year contracts and they always end right before the royal rumble because the big thing is oh is this new japan guy maybe going to show up at the royal rumble and i actually think it kind of depends on when the royal rumble like falls you know if the royal rumble is early in january you know it's the end of january i can't debut but like aj styles debuting at the royal rumble was oh he he was out in january you know um Anyway, I would love Okada in WWE. I would love Okada in AEW. Uh, I know we've seen him in AEW. I know you mentioned that he doesn't benefit from being in AEW. I get that. I, I I don't disagree with that. I think at the end of the day, his his wife is like a celebrity in Japan. He he is a mega celebrity in Japan where, you know, he's in commercials constantly. He's at events constantly. Um. So Wait, what, does this, what does his wife do? I don't, like I don't know about Okada's actress. wife. Oh, she's a voiceover actress, which I know you go, oh, voiceover actress. But like in Japan, that's like, I don't know. I, I, she's like one of the main like anime voices or some shit where people are like, oh, fuck, you know, that's you. Um, yeah. All right. You, you said anime, my brain stopped paying attention. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I will say this. I know Triple H wants to show people that they can work with Japanese talent. He wants to show everybody that he can do a better job with Japanese talent. I think this is how you do it. If you're going to sign Okada, you have to kind of uh, do some things you don't normally do in your in your agreements. You might have to allow him to live in Japan. You might have to make some... Uh, Funky deals. Now, I don't know how that works because AEW has an agreement with New Japan, but you might have to do what, what you know, they apparently tried to do with Danielson, which is allow him to work New Japan. Uh, if Triple H is able to pull that, all of a sudden you have this 
this, or at least you can lay claim to a a a version of like a forbidden door opening. You know, wow, look what look what Triple H did. Like, I think Great Muda is gonna um is gonna be is gonna like help Shinsuke at WrestleMania this year or something. You know, even though he retired in Japan, because I think Triple H is going to try to show that he can form relationships with Japanese talent. And I think it's probably going to start with like retired Japanese talent, like Muda. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I think Okada would be a huge get. It would make sense. He's one of the greatest wrestlers of the last 10 years. And with the talk of Mercedes, which will be my low spot is, uh, and, and it'll be a low spot only because AEW's women division doesn't have any like, uh, talent that brings new eyes to it at least uh, and she is someone who would have done that and Tony had her waving it all in Tony kind of it already seemed had her in the bag like he was maybe planning for her well, um, she escaped but hey, but hey if you were planning for her maybe push Willow Nightingale better because she pinned him uh, she pinned her uh, so yeah you know Triple H is back and Mercedes doesn't have a problem with him it makes a lot of sense for her to go back to WWE storyline wise. Just, I mean, just bottom line, that company is so hot right now. I mean, we're talking hot in a way that it's like not since Austin. And I say that because when it was hot with Cena, you at least got the insults of, uh, Oh, it's corny. And I don't think people say that about WWE anymore. They just go, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. It's, it's, it's popular. No, I mean, this, this past raw, the Sami Zayn Drew McIntyre match and the Jey Uso Seth Rollins match. If this was an AEW, Meltzer would be throwing stars at it for just being on yeah, Raw TV. It's great matches, but they don't get that same level of necessary respect because it's WWE. And to your point, people like to still think that it's corny and cheesy and whatever. There really is not the the the, the corny cheesy stuff that's happening there. You got, I mean, Punk's going to be on SmackDown this week. They're doing Charlotte and Asuka this week. They're telling a good story with Bailey that will set up if Sasha's back. Makes a hell of a lot of sense that everybody in damage control was turning on Bailey. Maybe she's got Sasha waiting in the wings. They're just, they're putting it all together. And it just sucks because it just shows the big problem that we've all been saying for years was Vince. And you got to get Vince out of the way. And now that Vince is out of the way on creative, oh shit, everything's really, really good. And in AEW, we kept saying they have amazing talent. They just need better creative. And the guy who's writing the creative is uh, is not doing a fantastic job. Sure, sure. Um, I will also say uh, I I did watch Raw, and I thought it was it was I won't say it was lame, but it was irritating that CM Punk wasn't on it. Uh, or or you know they should have just. I, I don't know. I, I did not get wind that he wasn't going to be on it. I just assumed he would be because uh, he did debut on Raw the week before. So I thought he that was did, I, but and I know they... the fans and attendants were kind of irritated up top. I mean, they got a great show and I get that. But um, like, I, I'll put it this way. I, I would have maybe bought a ticket if it was in my area because of Punk debuting last week. And so if I'm standing there, I would have been like, man. I would have been irritated. I get it. They didn't advertise Punk for Raw. They advertised Punk for SmackDown, and that was what made me think, oh, there's no way Punk is showing up. So I'd rather 
have less punk than more punk based on the response from some people for his last promo. Give him some extra time to put his notes together and I'll be, I'll be fine. Uh, we put our notes together for this show. I think it worked out pretty well. Scott, what, uh, what do you want to plug? Oh, my other podcast out for smokes. And, uh, Oh, isn't there like an NXT show this weekend that people should check out? There, there is, um, I will put that with an asterisk. NXT is great, but Baron Corbin's fighting for the title. And we all know my stance on Baron Corbin. Damn. Is he is he like doing his thing down there or no? He yeah. was one of Vince's guys. He was very much a Vince guy. He's he's trying to like prove himself. Like I like it. It's like a guy who is doing shitty action movies and is now trying to make a uh like a like a hard hitting indie to show that he really has okay, acting okay. chops, but I, like I don't know. I we'll like see. I, I'm not going to watch it live. Um, I, you know, I'm not. It's I'm like not Steven giving Seagal up my... in uh, Lost in Translation or something. Exactly. It's like Steven Seagal in Lost in Translation, which fuck. Now I want to <laughs> see that. Uh, anyway, uh, well, I, I'm sure there's a version show. of. There's a version uh, of what? Steven Seagal in any foreign country. And I'm sure it's him lost in translation. Uh, I'm sure it ends really, really well. Uh, I have another show called Rumor and Innuendo. It airs every day at noon Eastern. On uh, You can watch it on my Twitter account. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Ad Free Show's Twitter account, House of Wrestling's Twitter account. It's all over the fucking place. Uh, it's not that hard to find. It uh, It's a quick 30-minute news show. You can watch it uh, after the fact when it gets posted, or you can download it as a podcast wherever you're getting this podcast on Russell Roasts. Uh, and since you've downloaded this podcast on Russell Roasts, do us a favor, give us a five star review. Uh, helps the algorithm, helps boost the show up. We have a fucking blast doing this show. Scott and I will be back this week and doing a Patreon now that I have functional technology again. But, uh, until then, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. As I mentioned, Mike Lawrence is touring with Pete Davidson, and Lord knows they need all the ticket sales help they can get. So uh, go out there and get it. I don't know if that Pete Davidson kid is really well-known, Scott. He's kind of an underground underground talent. But, Mike, that's your, that's your headliner. Go check out Mike Lawrence. Uh, and, Scott, what do you want to say to the fine people? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs>